0: This episode of the Council of the First Ones was recorded on October 13th, 2019.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of Council of the First Ones. I'm your host, Kelly from Nerds on the Couch. And joining me, I have Renee with me. Hi, Renee.
2: Hi, Kelly. It's good to have you back.
1: Yeah, sorry. It was a busy week, and I just couldn't get over here. Who else is joining us
3: today? This is David Clark, owner of adultcollector.org. Wonderful to have you back.
4: This is Master Rex. It's great to be back again today.
0: And this is Sean, and I'm a year older as of Friday, and uh, happy to be here once again, guys.
2: Well, yeah, happy birthday, Kelly. Happy birthday, Sean. This is your month.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And it's
1: not the only one celebrating.
0: That's true.
1: 37 years ago, October 1st, He-Man hit store shelves and started an empire. So we have to give our birthday boy some congratulations, too.
0: It's very cool. Very it, I I was there in the beginning very little, but I was there in the beginning and uh it was a really fun time for me as a child when when he hit.
1: I still remember my mom getting it for me and it was at the same time when Rambo and Terminator and all those movies were coming out and as a 10-year-old girl, she thought this would be a gag gift. She did not believe it become my passion. <laughs>
0: Isn't it nice when things backfire?
1: <laughs> oh,
5: yes.
2: Well, it's incredible thinking about the toy line that came out and then how we are now. You know, there's been documentaries. There's been TV shows. I love the the series, The uh, Toys That Made Us. I love the documentary they have on the uh, Netflix. And none of them knew what they had, you know. And uh, talking to Mark Taylor, you know, he had an idea and Roger Sweet and all these other guys had ideas and none of them knew how far it would go. And it's just amazing. It is a story of America
0: as, as a kid. For me, I know it was, it, it was the mystery of it all. And the, anything can happen with that, that toy line. And, you know, like I, I don't think any toy line that I ever collected ignited my imagination the way masters did, because it was, it was like an amalgam of all these different fun things just combined into one, and there wasn't like a single script you went by. You had the mini-comics, you had storybooks, you had filmation, And something I actually thought about uh, just like an hour or two ago is Masters was one of the reasons that I wanted to pick up books and read when I was a kid. Because you got a lot of knowledge from a lot of those mini-comics and a lot of those storybooks of the time, and it gave you your own way of building that world. And that was really compelling for me when I was that age because I didn't have any blueprint. It was like here, here's the basic ideas. Go with it. See what you do with it. You know, and that was fun.
3: That's a that's a great point. And you know, we can never give enough credit to those mini comics. And you know, I think they're much more important than people realize. You know, uh, that that that's that is what fueled our imagination. That's what helped give us you know some uh you know give gave us some of our uh stories in our heads uh, kind of a a place where we could jump off with our imagination uh into this fantasy world that they presented
0: yeah i agree completely and uh the mini comics i i still go back to them i as of right now we have that mini comic collection the the big dark horse book and my kids actually want me to read it to them for bedtime stories and you know, for me being my age, and I get to sit there and go, are we going to read about Man tonight? <laughs> are we going to read about Jaw? And the other That's night, awesome. my, my son was like, I want the green monster. And we had to read the masks of power and all that. And I'm like, it, it warms my heart that the stuff that affected me that way when I was a kid, it's still igniting my son's imagination even, or my daughter's, you know.
2: I'm so you grateful know? that Mattel realized that how important they are. They are bringing many comics back in the new toys, which... I'm just excited about. But for me, it was the golden books. You know, I love that mm-hmm. one. I love those golden books. And I remember the oh. uh, schools used to have those scholastic book fairs.
5: Yeah. 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 And I <laughs> yeah. used
2: to, mom would give me some money and I would like, I remember buying like two Masters of the Universe books and I bought a Transformers one. And I still remember one was like Tila's Secret. The other one, I'm trying to remember... Oh geez, I can't remember the second one, and I remember the Transformers one had Optimus Prime with a human face mm. that always like freaked me out. <laughs> uh, but, but those kind of stay with me, had, you, you know. Because,
3: well, and there's the VHS tape. Remember the there's the VHS uh, video adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm, I love yeah. that, and the of course the audio. Uh, yeah, um, the read along uh, books. Yep, read along. Yep. <laughs>
4: Well, the labor books recently,
3: those those old
0: uh, the the recordings and the, the records and all that stuff. That was part of why I say it ruined me for filmation, because some of the stuff that they were doing in those, it made my imagination go crazy because there wasn't like a this is the definitive story of the line when the line started 37 years ago. So to go into that one that it's like the LP record with He-Man using his axe to knock the power sword out of Skeletor's hand on the cover, when you listen to that, it's not even our masters from when we were kids. It's like a whole other offshoot, which, you know, the multiverse thing is going to be cool to explore those things. But, like, when I was a kid, I was like, Skeletor scared me on that. He sounded bloodthirsty (laughs) and stuff. And then we get to, hey, man, and I'm like, oh. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, those those were like the lifeblood for me of that line, and and uh, I, I thought they were they were some of the most fun and really they they, they really fueled the imagination every time I went to those things.
3: Even the three D Viewmaster, remember that toy with the discs? Yep. Oh yeah. Oh God,
1: really? Age, <laughs> we're just in our uh, age group here. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> It just shows how easy it was to please us kids from the 80s of you, Master. You just like binoculars with pictures that you just turn and you see the pictures. Yeah. And that would keep you occupied for hours. Yeah. Oh, well,
3: they're and, 3D. I they mean, were 3D. They're yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah.
2: I love the Power of Point Dread record. Yes. I remember playing that like crazy. And I love Skeletor's voice in that one. Yeah. The, I sounded strange like that. Yeah. With some echoing effect on it. Oh, I, I just loved it. Again, I love those two stories. I listened to that PowerPoint Dread record a billion times.
0: I got Point Dread for my one birthday. I, I might have been five or something when that hit. And to be honest, I didn't play with Point Dread as much as I wanted to have that record on and look at that book. That was the reason I wanted that playset and that vehicle. Was <laughs> you know, it was like when, when when you see it and it's like more alfreda Alcala? yes please you know I, I i was like sucked into just the artwork of that book more than anything else really and uh, it, that was the best part of that present for
3: me when i was that age maybe that's how they could have uh, better sold the snake mountain super seven play set is to present us with a little a little you know uh, illustrated story involving snake mountain
0: that would have been cool because, I mean, that that definitely was a selling point for me on the SDCC pack with the two-pack, the Origins thing because uh, Axel Jimenez oh, yeah. doing his, you know, uh, homage to uh, Alcala and that, it, like, I wanted it just for the box. I would have been like, anybody else want the figure? I got the box. I'm mm-hmm. happy with this. I'm going to read this all the time.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Post, uh, David, you posted up pictures of the uh, the new Golden Books yeah I'm, did any I'm, of you guys get them
3: i have them man so i have both, I have
2: both. Them. how are they i haven't looked at them that's why i'm curious i have not even seen the meta barnes and noble here. well to be honest i haven't even gone looking
4: well but i, I love the artwork how they uh cover together, blend together
3: yeah you put the uh the books together you can see the artwork uh can be combined basically it's the same art piece
0: i actually uh i reached out i found the artist on instagram uh, that did the He Man one, and I reached out to him to just say, you know, I was really impressed with how he handled it because he does some key scenes from the filmation, but in the new storybook style. And there's a moment with like Adam holding the power sword, uh, you know, like at his at his waist, like when He Man does, I have the power. And the way that that page in general looks is amazing. It's gorgeous, and I was reaching out to, him, and I just wanted to, you know, say, hey, you know, I really. I really liked what you did. And he was thrilled that, you know, he got to work on the property, you know, for him, it was like, Hey, that's a, like, you know, dream come true. I got to do this stuff that I loved nice. when I was a kid. So, but I, I highly recommend even if you don't have kids, the He-Man one, I haven't seen the She-Ra unfortunately, but the He-Man one is definitely for anybody that loves the brand is worth picking up.
1: And the She-Ra one is basically retelling the secret of the sword story. That's cool.
2: Oh, Okay. I I knew they had been out. I just haven't like actually gone out and looked for them. So now that I saw them, I'm like, oh, how could I have missed those? I should pick those up.
0: One thing that's cool in the he-man one I w- I do want to say is he, it, he the artist loves dropping in like uh, clawful. And he puts in manny faces and fisto into like they're in the backgrounds of scenes. But when you look at the background, it feels like it's a richer world because all of these characters that you love that might not be Mm. the main characters from the cartoon they're still there so like web store i think is in one scene and some stuff it's like it just made me smile to go (laughs) he cared because he's putting these characters that maybe they didn't even tell him to put in but they're in the image you know and that was that was just awesome to see and i could point them out to my kids and now my my uh, three-year-old son, he knows Duncan. He knows Web Store, He knows Skeletor. <laughs> he can poke <laughs> to them and tell me who they are, and I'm just like, I'm like hey, no matter what you do in life, I'm still proud of you. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. this, <laughs> this, is, this is making daddy's heart swell that you know these characters that I've loved since I was a kid.
1: Recently, all over the web, we've been hearing rumors that Sony wants to unload some of their movie properties including He-Man and the Masters of the Universe to Netflix. Now, it has been rumored also that Netflix, that Sony is trying to unload their whole entertainment division and with everything we've witnessed with the Disney Marvel and Sony deal over Spider-Man, can, this, can we actually put some truth into this rumor that it might be moving over? Are we going to have to wait longer for the film? What do you guys think?
2: The question I have, is this a good or bad thing? Because one, Sony is an in influx right now. That's kind of been in the news. I don't think Sony Studios has done well in their last few years. They had some couple of gig hits, uh Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse was their big hit, but then everything else they've done has been lackluster. And we know that, you know, when they had that issue with Disney and Spider-Man and Sony, I knew Disney was going to be the winner out of that, just out of sheer power. You know, who has the power right now? You know, not to make a (laughs) He-Man pun right now, but, uh, (laughs) but, you know, Disney is just unstoppable right now. So they know they, you know, Disney knew that they were going to be, they were playing the long game. And so they were going to end up with Spider-Man back. And unfortunately tying to masters of the universe, uh, they have Sony has a history of selling some of their movies to Netflix and their movies have done well, or as well as you can say on Netflix. Uh, But to me, it just shows fear. They, they, don't know what they have they don't know what they're doing and they're scared and i think somebody else needs to take the masters of the universe line well i think
1: uh, i agree with you on that
4: i would kind of feel like it would be a amazing opportunity as another major picture studio like paramount picked up masters of the universe because i have a lot more confidence in their track record
3: well, if it gets the gets it out of development hell, this curse that's hung over the movie for how long? Oh, oh geez.
0: 30 years. 20 years, yeah. 30 years, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> it's time, you know. And yeah, if the we already have uh, a Shiro cartoon, we've got a Masters of the Universe cartoon coming, why not? And and yes, you're right. Sony's been hurting. Sony just had lost uh 40-50 million to uh, Men in Black International, unfortunately. And so, if it gets the job done, and maybe even better than if it landed in theaters through Sony, then yeah, I'm all for it. And it could, and it doesn't mean that it has to be a movie. It could, they could turn it into like a series.
1: Well, I have a feeling Sony right now owns the IP rights to the live action, because don't forget the cartoon rights are owned by Universal and NBC. Yeah, and that's I a
2: crazy part. To,
1: I would love to see maybe even Universal taking over. live action
2: well even if universal gets it at least we're going to get a ride or something at the studios
1: (laughs) that's what i was hoping for
2: i mean i missed out as a kid did any of you ever see the uh show they had at universal studios
0: the conan one
2: no they had a masters of the
0: universe oh i didn't know that because i know they had the conan one. i was out there in 91 and i saw that and i was like this really feels like He-Man the way they set that thing up, but I I never knew the other one.
2: If you go on YouTube, you can see they had commercials like a He-Man and She-Ra show like from October to December. They had huh. like a like some kind of spectacular Masters of the Universe show. I always wanted to see it. To do this kind of movie always requires a vision. It requires a director who knows what Masters of the Universe is about. You have to get it right and that's kind of the issue they're trying to hammer out because they know that if they go cheap it's going to come out it's going to be another 87 movie and then the other hand if they go all big and epic and all that they're not guaranteed a hit like they would go big and epic on something like lord of the rings because that's a guaranteed hit but here they they falter because they see like uh, John Carter of Mars, Disney lost on that one. Warcraft, the World of Warcraft movie, which again I was well, so looking forward to. Well, video
1: game movies in general don't do very well.
4: Well, I kind of feel like that if they did this right, they could. And I almost hate to say this. But they held off on Master of the Universe, the movie, till after the first season of Revelations comes out, and then maybe have some input from Kevin Smith on the movie, or even maybe have him help co direct or direct the movie. It would have a better uh, grounding for it.
0: That's, for me at least, I'm one of these cautious people about the brand because the line has, has kept going for all these years because of like basically an underground movement. Of fans you know like we're not out there in the stores buying it as much classics was an all online subscriber based deal so the idea that there is a fan base but the fan base isn't to the level of like the marvel universe or harry potter or star wars or any of these huge franchises that have been able to start up in the last 10 to 20 years i could see why there's nervous you know it, it's like this is a brand that either you bring the nostalgia of filmation to it or you're a hardcore person like us there isn't really a lot of in between and for some people it, the nostalgia people would be like oh this w- it was campy back then so i'm going to go into it figuring it's just going to be silly there might be a moral at the end of the movie for all we know Who no-, you know and then there, there are the people like us who are hoping for a legit good Let, let's do this right because 87 wasn't what we wanted to see So there's a part of me that's like I almost would love it to be on Netflix and have it more intimate because you can establish something there that isn't going to be a huge amount for them to put out on the screens and turn it into possibly a huge money loss for people that don't get what this version of it is. And I'd rather be at home watching some of this stuff and enjoying it minute to minute the way I want to enjoy it versus going to a theater and maybe the crowd not reacting the way I want it to. That's just me being precious to what I love because even like Captain America was one of those movies I was scared of when they did that because that's a character that I knew you had to do him a certain way or it wasn't going to work. And after I saw the movie, I was just cheering because I did it right. Leading up to that point, I was in the theater with like anxiety practically going, please don't mess this up. You know, like he's the last ingredient you need to make everything else work. Same with Masters for me. It's like there's a lot of ingredients that need to come together to make this the, to make this into something we can <clears> show other people and go, this is why we love this thing. And I want to see it that version, not just let's do a punch him up kind of a thing, almost like Transformers, you know?
3: Yeah, let's not go Michael Bay on this. Oh, yeah. no, no,
0: no. And no. <laughs> and I the, the thing that I'm afraid of is in this day and age – that might be the way that they go more than anything because they're maybe worried, like you're saying, World of Warcraft didn't fare so well. A lot of these movies that are based in a fantasy realm, like even like the Aragon movie and, and some of these other ones, even from 10, 15 years ago, that that market isn't there compared to the superhero market and compared to some of this. But Netflix found she fans, you know, and. And there's other things like uh, Stranger Things has a whole built-in audience because it started in that way, you know. And So in that way, I'm like, well, they're already starting with Netflix on the cartoon front. If they did a movie and it was live action on Netflix, Netflix has a really good ability to do some live action stuff that is probably more impressive than some of the movies nowadays because of the money they can throw at it. And they also have... I wish I could remember his name, but the guy who is the the guy from Netflix who has been a fan and on like HeMan.org since the beginning, he's one of those guys at Netflix that it's like you put it in his hands. There's also um, the the brand manager from Mattel. It's like you got those guys involved. It, it has a chance maybe compared to being a big budget thing that if it doesn't work for the first movie, we get nothing after that.
3: Well, it could well, that's- always be a series on Netflix and you know live action. And then they can turn it into a theatrical, big movie release down the road.
0: And I would be thrilled with that, too, to be honest, because Masters is one of those things that I feel like it's one of the last IPs that haven't been touched to do something with that besides Thundercats at this point of the 80s. It's like those were your your groups, you know, those were your toy brands and cartoons And it's like G.I. Joe had its chance already, Transformers and stuff. And it's like I I want He-Man to be the way that I want it to be in the fact that at least this is this is almost like our Hail Mary in the brand in a sense, because we want it to be on the screen. But how do we make it that it's not something that fails, you know, and I'm hoping it doesn't fail.
4: Well, that's why I think that if we wait until after Revelations come out and we have a chance for that to reach a bigger, broader fan base on Netflix, it will draw more of an interest to the Master of the Universe if so they did do it on the small screen on Netflix as a one-shot series. Or if they did it as a movie, it would bring in newer fans, it would bring in older fans, it would attract the audience that would bring it the money.
0: Well, the only thing about that, and I, I actually like that idea. But the only thing about that that I'm wondering is, with the timeline, they're setting that up to try to be out for 2021, and I'm thinking that the cartoon probably isn't even going to be on Netflix until close to that time too.
2: No, they're nowhere near uh, that date. They're not going to make it. If you want to come, if you, I mean, these movies can be shot within six months, but people don't realize you have pre-production. Pre-production takes almost a year. For you to plan, you got to rent the studio time, you got to create the budget. The director has to storyboard the uh, casting. A whole bunch of things have to happen in that year. And then when you do filming, filming is the easy part. That is the exciting part. That is the part where you see them in the camera. That's where the studio, that's where Entertainment Tonight comes in and they interview the actors because there's a lot of time off because that is the easier part to do. And then when you finish, you go into post-production and post-production. And that
1: could be another six, to, six months to a year.
2: So yeah, especially with a special effects movie, that takes a year. It's just editing. And then, you know, people say reshoots like it's a bad thing. But reshoots is a Hollywood standard. It, it always happens. They have to do reshoots. Sometimes a scene didn't come out right. Sometimes a director realizes, hey, we might need to redo this part. Or, you know what, you know, this didn't come out so well, let's fix this part. And reshoots always goes in and then they do it as fast as they possibly could. And again, more special effects,
4: more time. These things do take time. That's entirely my point. If they take the time, if they don't rush into it head first, trying to uh, make a big splash, if they take the time and let revelations come out first and feel it out and bring out the fan base more, then they can start drawing up their ideas, starting storyboarding from there to create the Master of the Universe, either movie or one shot series. And that way they would have time to work on it. It wouldn't just be. Jumping in, hoping they'll make something out of it, because of all that production time it'll take.
2: Now, I want to say too, I'm not afraid of production because people think, oh, it goes to Netflix, it's going to have a cheap production. No, I mean, I saw the trailer for The Mandalorian on the Disney Plus, and I was just blown away at that production value. Game of Thrones had like movie quality production values. Picard series and the uh, Star Trek. Uh, Discovery, I mean those shows have like movie quality productions. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm blown away when I see those TV shows. If they do that, then okay, fine, we're gonna have a Netflix Masters of the Universe movie. Okay. But the one thing about that that I see as the downside, it's not gonna raise as much noise to me. We're not gonna see maybe as much merchandising as they would have done because there's not gonna be a premiere date. Well, there is, but it's not like Hollywood premiere date. And so the merchandising might trickle in. It might cause a little bit of stirring, but I have not seen like heavy, heavy, uh, how should I say this, waves with Stranger Things. I see things of Netflix shows there. And then like, I'm also remembering the Voltron's toys. I'm still disappointed at that one. And so I just keep thinking, right. is it going to make as much noise as it did if it was a major film production?
4: Well, it's funny you mentioned the Stranger Things. They just came out with the Stranger Things Lego set not too terribly long ago. And I feel like the Shearer toys from the new Shearer Netflix show is uh, really taking off as well on the shelves.
3: Yeah, but you, with this news of, uh, you know, Sony thinking of moving it to Netflix... What, how is Mattel taking this news? Could this have any impact on the, you know, maybe the Origins toy line coming up, you know? And of course, there's the Revelation cartoon. I mean, plans are in place to, you know, bring bring all this together uh, leading up to the live action, most of the universe movie to capitalize on it as much as possible. And for now, you know, for the news to be, well, maybe we'll just switch it to Netflix. I mean, what is the reaction, you know, from these other entities that are planning around this uh, movie? I don't think they've
0: ever, uh, at least I haven't seen anything from like Mattel talking about that since the announcement. There's been pretty much hush hush across the board because I think they're in a wait and see mode, even too, like us.
1: Well, the Mattel Entertainment department, I think, has a role in this, and it might be they want to keep quiet. So there are no dissenting opinions yet because with the Men in Black International, there were a lot of dissension between Sony and the director and the producers that everyone wanted everything in it. That's one of the reasons why it bombed and why it didn't make any sense. Too many hands in the pot.
2: Notice again, there was no merchandising. no. I remember the toys, and to me, I consider that a failure, because you had two great characters of J and K. You had a whole bunch of interesting alien designs, and I remember the toys were just weird. They were just boring, weird pieces. To me, I consider that an utmost failure, and even with the movie before that, The Men in Black 3, they did do toys, which were a little better, but even then, they were not the greatest toys, and... This one, uh, the international one, again, it gave itself toys and marketing, and they could have gotten the, they could have gotten the kids on it, but they didn't.
1: I think they were, I think they were going too much, thinking that the uh, two stars would have carried it, figuring they were from Thor Ragnarok, but it's a different type of crowd that was going to see Men in Black. They weren't going to go see a Marvel film even though they're both in the comic book genre. Gen-
4: you know, it makes me wonder if Noah Sentino Cent- will still be cast for the lead role if it does go to Netflix. Maybe not. Well, it all goes up. Depends
2: on contracts.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, that's why I was actually just thinking maybe that's why they said about they're going to do Revelations. Maybe that was what they had as a, well, this is our safety net if we can't get the live action movie off the ground. And maybe there was rumblings of this going on. I, I don't know. I don't know any of that. But to, it's interesting that we're going to have a cartoon series on Netflix and then the movie might be on Netflix again. So it's almost like, if the timing of that is interesting to me. And in, in just, uh, you know, they want to salvage it somehow. They want to either have an animated one to do it or they want the live action or both. But the, that's Maybe that's their safeguard. You know, at least we have something that's an IP for Masters out there for them.
3: Well, and I know that Origins is a lead up to the movie. Once the movie's released, we can expect to see a, another toy line based on on the what we see in the movie, those designs. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. well, makes logical sense. Toy company designs, yes.
4: There was a quote from Sentino. Uh, himself they said to a uh, reporter for comic books that a new universe a new studio and their take on it of this new universe that the knee brothers and Adam and Aaron knee they're directing it they're the filmmakers they're in charge of the story they're doing a hell of a job developing the world and these things I can't tell you what tone is going for but it's genius so far so I have a feeling that he still wants to be tied to the property and still be part of the movie
2: If you are looking for a place to live, we recommend the Dark Hemisphere. The Dark Hemisphere has wide open spaces, barren land, relatively crime-free zones. If you're interested, contact Skeletor at Snake Mountain. If you don't get thrown in the dungeon, tell them Renee sent you.
1: The other big news that came out happened to be at New York Comic Con where the voice cast plus Nicole, Nicole Stevens from the Shira Princesses of Power, they want to do a team-up with He-Man for a Christmas special. Now, I did not get to get into this panel, unfortunately. It was off-site at New York Comic-Con. By the time I got over there, it was already filled. But they, the cast wants a crossover. I'm a little skeptic because the way Kevin Smith was talking about How he wants to do He-Man is totally different style than what the Princesses of Power cartoon show is. I don't know if it's gonna mesh. I mean, I'd love to see a crossover. Anything's better than that Christmas special that Filmation gave us. Though you like the dog, I'm sorry. I like Riley. And we did see Skeletor smile and be nice for once.
2: (laughs) Sorry, it's always a question because I'm, they brought that up, and I'm like, what do you guys mean by that? Because when they were at PowerCon, or the writers were at PowerCon, uh, notice they didn't do questions. Because uh, I know that that was like the number one question somebody would bring up, and I don't think they wanted to discuss it. And yet here at New York Comic Con, they, they kind of brought it up, and it kind of caused a stir. It brings me up again, has things changed? Has things, has rights Kind of changed again where we're at If it's a Christmas special Are we going to see again The 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 million dollar question Is it going to be Revelations He-Man Or is it going to be Ashira He-Man Which people have done some good artwork Yes well, I've seen Such good
1: artwork too
3: Yeah they could what? They could use a, more of an anime style Like what's planned for Revelation uh, Not necessarily oh. The poppy you know <laughs> She-Ra Netflix style.
4: Well, one of the great things about the upcoming multiverse Master of the Universe comic coming out is is that they could do the She-Ra style on the Sea Man to do a Christmas special and it would fit right in because there's all different types of iterations of Master of the Universe going to be introduced to us in a one-shot comic.
0: I think for me it's weird. And and the reason being is we let Shira have Three seasons to get her footing in in the new era of pop culture, and for me, it's like, okay, so are we going Revelations? Like like David was saying, are we going Revelations, or what is this exactly we're drawing from? Is it just going to be a princess of princesses of power version of them? And in that way, it's like, well, that doesn't really, unless that's going to be like how they finally go, okay, and we're bringing in Masters somehow because they finally let us bring it in. That that would be a key episode then, and you'd have to watch it and be like, okay, how are they going to handle this? But then it's like, I don't know. Like I'm not owned to the Christmas special either, um, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I actually was going to be the one thinking the same thing that Kelly said, so it makes me feel good that I didn't have to say it here. But um, <laughs> but it, it, it's it's like to me that was always something where I was, it's like when from the 80s and stuff, there's always that feeling of you got to throw Christmas into all of these things, and for me, I'm like. I didn't need He-Man to be involved with Christmas. I wanted He-Man to just fight Skeletor. You know? <laughs> so it's like that—that that whole thing. It's like that's not a tradition for me in that way. So it, it's like the idea of it feels more like lip service to the fans more than it is like we're going to do this and you're going to like it.
2: Well, you guys have to remember back in the '80s, or you have to explain to the younger versions. Everybody did a Christmas special. There was a Pac Man
0: Christmas special.
2: <laughs> oh my. there was a Rubik's Cube Christmas
0: special. Everybody,
5: Pac-Man.
0: yeah, yeah, and I, I remember that. But I think the the tradition of that has gone away over the last ten or so years. Like I don't remember anything specific lately where it's like this is a Christmas special for this or whatever. Like because like, they used to be like you know evening specials for those when we were kids and all that stuff. And now it's like, I don't know. It's, it feels like that isn't something that I need to, I would watch it just out of curiosity. It, it would almost be like the Bill Murray Christmas special on Netflix. I'd be like, what's this about? I got to see what this is, you know? And I would give it a shot, but it, it's not something I'm begging for. I want to see the revelations designs more than I'm worried about a she Christmas special. <laughs> at the moment. Plus w- yeah. with the Christmas
1: special, if they, are going to use it as their gateway to introduce masters. They have to change a lot of the lore that they built up, that they're in a pocket dimension and all like that, that, which is starting to open up for season four, which premieres November 5th on Netflix, and it's a full 13 episodes, mm-hmm. not six and six.
2: Yeah, I think people because complained. The,
1: because the big cliffhanger was that we started to get the idea that there's Horde Prime and he Finally found Etheria.
0: And he's got legions so of that, to bring with him. Yeah.
1: So there is that way that they could introduce it.
2: Well, this was brought up in the last show. Remember that, you know, that Adora does mention Eternia. They do mention Castle Grayskull. This could be their gateway. If the rights have changed, then maybe uh, there is a connection. We might not see it directly, But I do think they need to acknowledge that there is something there, that there is a He-Man there. He might not be the Revelations' He-Man. He might be his own thing. And They might, again, I think the multiverse is something that they're playing with everywhere. And honestly, I expect the Netflix, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power to come out in that series, in the comic books. And uh, I expect that maybe what would be really cool is that this multiverse is all-encompassing, and they deal with it.
4: That's exactly kind of how I feel, Renee. I feel that if they introduce He-Man in a Christmas special with the Netflix She-Ra, it would draw fans to seeing He-Man in a different format, and attract them to come back to see Revelations later when it is first aired. It would give uh, fans a kind of a taste of a He-Man. And I could see that
2: scene bringing up on that idea, like He-Man going, I'm not your He-Man, I'm not your Twin brother, but your twin brother is out there, Adora. You know, good luck finding him. You know, until next time. You know,
0: it would it would almost be it, like I the way you guys are talking, I'd almost look at it as this is the passing of the baton, then, in a sense. Like if if Shira went the five seasons that we were talking about that before we the show of you know after that, what will they do with the series? Is it gonna be syndicated or however? And it's like the idea, if they get to five seasons with She-Ra, maybe then, maybe then that's their passing of the torch moment to, well, now we're going to bring He-Man into the fold, or now it's the passing to the new He-Man or something like that. And I could see that being an event thing that would be interesting on that level. Um, but I wouldn't need it to be a Christmas special, I guess, is the way I want to look at it. You know, I would be like fine with a special, at least, to introduce them if they go that route.
2: Well, we could... You know, the definition of Christmas special, kind of open. Yeah, that's I true. Mean, let's not bring <laughs> in the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs>
1: Please, no, you made me sit and watch part of that. <laughs>
0: uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's a space for B. Arthur to sing to Orko, maybe, or something, you know? Uh-huh. That'd be
2: kind of fun. <laughs> oh, God, I'm picturing that right now. I curse you.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it, I, I've actually watched it on YouTube, and it's like, Mark <laughs> Hamill, I think they had, like, a they, they had like a crash test dummy with his Halloween mask on him. He didn't look <laughs> like him either. You know, he he was definitely completely different. The only one that held it together, God bless him, was Harrison Ford. That guy, you could tell he's like, I'm in this and I'm just here. But he's there and he did his best to go with it at least.
2: <laughs> or if it's any comfort, Carrie Fisher admitted that she had no idea what she was doing. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't, I don't want to hear like it, it would it would it would really wreck me on a few levels if they had either Tila or Shira singing something like she had to sing on that on that oh. special because even oh. listening to it when I when I was watching the YouTube I was like, oh no 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 I don't I never needed to see this. Oh God, and you and it
2: it fits so perfectly. Like Mark Hamill could do the Prince Adam because in that series he looked like him, you yeah, know, with all the makeup <laughs> and that weird haircut.
5: <laughs> oh, maybe
0: that's maybe that's the power converter he was talking about going to Tashi Station to go get. He's oh. going after the power source. Oh my lord, that yeah, that we're going just... down rabbit holes here. We better stop.
4: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That oh, okay. makes me think of an interesting point, though. They did bring He Man to the Sheer Christmas special. Would he be transforming from Adam to He Man, or would he just be a He Man? Oh, see, that's. Oh, God. You just made some.
2: He oh, blew my mind
0: out. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs>
0: this is how we got a three hour episode last time. Yeah. <laughs>
3: So one thing I'm very excited about is the fact that we're actually getting a Masters of the Universe uh, Wind Raider Hot Wheel toy that actually looks like <laughs> oh, and, and, uh, a Wind Raider. And uh, they're also making uh, a Thundercats uh, Thunder Tank as well. These were both introdu- uh, announced at the, uh, and shown off at the uh, recent annual uh, Hot Wheels Collector's Convention in L.A., and uh, this is, I mean, this is amazing. This is something I was, you know, I personally was promoting uh, about five years ago on adultcollector.org and on the he-man.org forum. I know this has been, for a lot of us, this has been something that's on our mind, you know, this has been on our wish list for a lot of uh, years, and we're finally going to see one of them.
2: Well, it's about time.
3: Yeah, and I, you know, yeah, I I love it, and I hope that they give us a lot more. I mean, think of all the Hot Wheels that we we've gotten up until now. They're just cars that have a picture of Masters of the Universe on the side of of it, you know, and that really frustrated me. And and uh, they're actually doing it right this time. They're actually giving us the 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 Wind Raider design.
2: Well, I'm completely. Well, I, as I said, I, I know I said it sarcastically, but this idea has been so obvious that I'm surprised it hasn't been made. I mean, Mattel owns Hot Wheels. Mattel owns Masters of the Universe. The vehicles are, to me, the unsung hero of this toy line. This toy line, as great as it was, one of the factors that made it absolutely astounding and a standout was the amazing mm-hmm. vehicle designs. There was no toy mm-hmm. line that had these vehicles, that even looked like these vehicles. A Wind Raider, yeah, that's an obvious one. An Attack Track, oh my God, an Attack Track Hot Wheel. Yes. You know, a Land Shark, come on. It's like obvious.
3: Could we see a Filmation Attack Attack Track, or would we be limited to the vintage toy design?
1: Why not I'd say they'd have to get the uh, approval of Universal NBC. They own the catalog for Filmation.
3: And there are, I mean, there are so many vehicles they could choose from. Like from the 1987 movie, there's Skeletor's barge, the floating barge, and uh, the the um, I don't know why I'm spacing on it. Literally spacing the spaceship from New Adventures of He-Man.
2: Oh, the Starship Eternal.
3: Right, yeah. I mean, I can see the whole thing. I can see, like I
2: said, a land shark is obvious. Oh, the the fright flyer. Yeah, uh, the blast hawk, the blaster hawk. You know, uh, oh my god, it's just
3: so obvious they could. It, I think it would be really fun at some point to to get some vehicles that uh, have little riders in them, kind of like the old like you'd see the McDonald's toys that you know it'll it'll be like uh, Ronald McDonald and or um, you know they've done that with a bunch of different properties, but uh, little racers, you know. With the characters popping out of them. Kind of like, I don't know, like a Mario Kart sort of thing.
4: I was just going to say that uh, I kind of liked how they did the 84 Masters of the Universe uh, playset for Hot Wheels. Where they had the Snake Mountain playset. That would be kind of awesome to integrate that with the uh, newer Master Universe. Hot Wheels are going to be coming out that's actually accurate to uh, the vehicles.
2: Yeah, there you
4: go. I mean, it's it
2: would be so awesome. And it would be kind of a given that, yes, you can... Make little uh, tracks, and I never had those as a kid. I never, I never played with those as a kid. But to me, I'm like, why not? It, it would be awesome to have like a a Wind Raider versus or racing a roton Fighter mm-hmm. with a little Snake Mountain playset, and
4: they could spin and twirl and all that around. Or you can do an Eternia playset with the original uh Eternia vehicles on it. It'd be nice.
3: Yeah, that 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 would be amazing and if it's just if we just get a few fine whatever i mean it's you know we're getting something so
2: well looking at those i was going to ask the group you know cuz the 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 uh, thunder tank looks great you know and to me that's mm-hmm. an obvious one there too so i was just thinking like what other toy lines should they be cuz i was like thinking of vehicles i was thinking like oh, what would be good vehicles cuz to me like i said masters did the best vehicles i just
0: easy changed. easy one right off the top of my head mask mask yeah i was just
3: thinking of that
0: if if they did that and they could actually get them that you could transform them into because they're not that hard to transform as even the original line so imagine like you could have the thunderhawk and then you push a button and the doors open up and you have there you go you got the thunderhawk you know and or the rhino and all. i mean if they did those i probably would cry a little bit because mask was one of those lines that I wasn't big on vehicles when I was a kid, but I had loved the imagination of you looked at a car and you're like, Well what could what else could it be besides a transformer? You know I mean dude, so so mask would definitely be hardcore to I would I would eat that up.
2: Oh I, <laughs> I wish
0: loved back.
2: Which one? Silverhawks. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah the uh, get uh, the Mirage. Uh,
2: the Mirage, yes, yes. <laughs> And they uh, also had that
4: one person jet
0: Yeah, that was Quicksilvers And
4: then there would be a Monstars Little uh, squid thing Yeah, the armored yeah. squid And they had the
0: car The bad guys had the car that like, uh, The uh, Windhammer would be in And Melodia and all that stuff right. uh,
3: For me, they've got to make some Jason the Wheel Warriors Oh yeah uh, Those vehicles you could like pull apart And swap their parts Between them
0: See, that's oh, the thing with, with with masters. The idea of that, I'm like, well, if attack, if they made an attack track, would they have the actual like, would the, would the, oh, what the heck are they called, the uh, treads? Treads. Thank you. The treads. Uh, would those flip around like the original one? And then I'm thinking of the mechanics, like. Well, what would I want to see in that way? So it's like, yeah, uh-huh. then then you have to break apart the battle ram so you have the sky sled and you have the, the battle ram part <laughs> in the back. And, and, and <laughs> it's like, in my head, I'm going to that already and I'm thinking, I'm well, the money into that. And then I'm like, yeah. well, then make mask. Well, mask has to be crazy. And then Jason, it's like, <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, it's almost like origins. It's like, imagine making mask, but then you could pair them with w- Jason the Wheel Warriors or you could pair Jason the Wheeled Warriors with masters or whatever. And it's like, you're creating like a crazy universe that as a kid, you never thought you'd have, but you're sitting there and you're just like grinning from ear to ear going like, but I got this now. You
2: know. Well, I've been wanting Mass to come back for years and years and years. I'm surprised it hasn't, to be honest with you. I know there's issues with uh, vehicles and um, copyrights and all that now, but Jason, the real warriors again, you brought that up. I'm like, yes, that's, that's like an obvious one. Like with, uh, I could imagine a Hot Wheels Saw Boss, which I point out again. I never had those as a kid. I saw the cartoons. I never saw the toys. Never. I never saw the toys.
0: See, I, I was one of those kids that I had. Uh, there were there were two brothers that lived near me, and I'd go to play with them every now and then, and they had those. And I never got them because my mom got to the point with my collections where she goes, you can't get everything anymore. Because like <laughs> she was cool with me getting masters, she was cool with me getting some transformers. I didn't have all of them, but some transformers. I had almost all the original vintage GI Joes from the eighties, and I had uh, how many things? That she's like, no, you're not getting into that one because that's one more thing I have to pick up. And da da da. So I'd go to their house, I'd be like, those are cool, but then I never had the owning to them because I never had them as a kid.
4: Our character spotlight this week is going to be Scareglow. Scareglow is the ghost of Skeletor, also known as the evil ghost serving Skeletor. Other names is Null or Scareglow. His affiliation was with the evil warriors. He carried the Scythe of Doom. His special abilities included terrifying fright, flight, as well as being immaterial. He originated and came out with the Search for Keldor mini-comic. That was his first appearance in 1983. So guys, what do you think about Scared I remember seeing him at the stores. For the life of me, I
2: didn't pick him up because he was in the last wave, and I was losing interest in the toys. But I remember his mini-comic, and I regret not picking him up.
4: A few interesting things about uh, Scarecrow is is that he appeared in not only the Masters of the Universe mini many comics, but in 1986 he came out in the Marvel Star comics, as well as in the UK. And they had different uh, iterations of him. Originally he was perceived to be the ghost of Skeletor, or literally his ghost from the future he was called. But then later he was perceived to be a, ghost, a uh, entity unto himself, Known as the scared Scareglows, that he was actually a figure of, of his own right. He wasn't affiliated with Skulltore as his ghost.
0: Well, uh, like Rene, I was I was one of those kids. I'm almost positive I saw him in the toy store back in '87, and I didn't pick him up because, again, my again my passion for the line had kind of dwindled by that point. I was moving on to other lines. And I think for me, it was always that, you know, he's the, it, when, when they worded it, the ghost of Skeletor, my mom always fueled my imagination about this line with how she interpreted stuff. So she's like, does this mean it's the ghost of Skeletor? Like that's his ghost. He dies at some point. And that made it spooky. That, that just automatically set the stage for him being creepy to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, like Skeletor hates He-Man so much. He's coming back to get him. Like, that's crazy. You know? But, um, yeah, he's one that I really kick myself every day that I, I remember seeing him on the peg and I never got him. It's interesting. He's now such a fan favorite that he's included, like, in the Origins line. He's one of the next waves. And for him to be that far up in the waves for, like, Manny Faces, Orco and him, it's like you can see how big of a deal he's become uh, since his debut.
2: And he came out pretty early in the classics, too,
1: didn't he? Yeah, he was one of them yeah. that I had a hard time finding.
0: Yeah, he's nuts just on a level of, you know, how much you have to pay for him to get one of
3: them complete now. I was going to so. say, like, it doesn't it, like any version of Scareglow is going to be expensive on eBay. Even the little uh, Le, you know, uh, Lego version of him that came out somewhat recently is expensive and hard you to find. You mean the
2: Mega Constructs? Yep. Yeah, he, we talked about that on the last one, how hard he is, but hopefully he gets re-released. But I remember the debates on the on the .org in the early days, how the wording just caused so much debates, whether he was Skeletor or he was a ghost-serving Skeletor.
4: Yeah. One of the interesting things was is when they did the Master of the Universe uh, comic, they just uh, produced a little bit ago, that he actually was, uh, with the Master Universe Injustice, I'm sorry, he was uh, summoned by Skeletor as a dozen little ghosts to attack the uh, DC Universe.
0: Hmm. And he also the 2000X comic had one that was just a standalone for him called Power of Fear.
2: And I remember that they got that comic book out, but they were, uh, the Mattel people were not 100% happy with uh, Val and the guys oh really yeah because that was an unreleased character and uh Uh, they wanted to kind of do it their own way but val you know he still got it out which was to me one of their best issues i thought that was one of their best stories
0: what do you think the appeal is of him to be the way that he is for the fans now because like when i was a kid like I said, he hit the end of the line, so for me, I, I got a few at the end, but I didn't go as wild as I had previously, and now obviously I'm kicking myself, but what, what, what about the fans do you think is making him the fan favorite that he is nowadays?
1: Well, it opens up a whole new genre that up to that point, we didn't have anything that would be supernatural or horror-related, and just that he could go... And scare and hide very easily, being a ghost. That could terrify people, similar to Nightmare in the Doctor Strange uh, comic line. It's the unknown. Yeah. It's in that whole section that wasn't there.
4: 2012 dc comic it wasn't just a, in one shot figure it was actually a race that was called scare blows, That that's skeletor summoning these uh entities that were translucent with the purple cape.
3: Hmm. well oh, it, think- it, it, it's like how skeletor in the original mini comics was presented as a single you know someone who is a part of a race of these skeletor demons right yeah in his classic bio, it was one person who
2: got cursed,
5: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and that kind of falls under the classic horror of a cursed person who becomes a ghost and he's bound. But I think his appeal was just that he is a, a really nice designed figure. Mm-hmm. For bash. he does look really awesome. I mean, it's just what you can do with glow-in-the-dark plastic, mm-hmm. uh, skeleton motif paint, and the purple design really had him stand
3: out. It's a beautiful design.
4: It was interesting in the uh, classic line; he was included with the key to Grayskull's secret door because apparently he at one point was searching to enter Grayskull himself before he was cursed.
3: Mm-hmm. In the classic storyline, yeah, he spent years trying to get into uh, Castle Grayskull.
4: I was
0: uh, I was actually reading the search for Keldor to my kids like probably a month ago and. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I thought was really cool, first off, I like that when Skeletor summoned the warriors to help him that time, it was him and Ninjor. And I actually, now on my shelf, I have to put the two of them together because that shot of the two of them was so cool to see. Here are these two new characters that we were introduced to, and they both have a very distinct look about them. And I like that about it, but... I liked in that story how Adam was scared to death to the point he couldn't even summon the power of Grayskull. He was scared and he even knew it. He's like, I can't even turn into He-Man. I'm scared to death right now, you know, and I, I that's formidable as a villain, you know, like you're, you're making the hero not even able to do what he's supposed to do to be a hero. What that's I would have loved to see that explored in other stories or in other media. In a bigger way, maybe, because if Adam can't be He-Man, then what else would Skeletor be able to do while he's suffering
3: from being afraid? Well, he was very, he was very powerful <laughs> in that sense. And yeah, when he, I'm looking at the panel in the mini comic, and he looked very cool when he first appeared. But mm-hmm. ever since I saw that comic, even as a kid, I thought, why are these two characters so weak that they would bow to Skeletor immediately upon being summoned? and uh, Scareglow said speak skullface before i scare you to death and Skeletor says silence and then they both bow to him like okay yeah.
2: we're good i like that it, in the 2000x1 the... where Scareglow Scare-Glo tries to throw his influence at Skeletor and then Skeletor zapped him and he's like i'm skeletor i fear nothing
0: <laughs> well it's it reminds me of like the penance there with ghost rider you know, there's that yeah. element of it, it, you know, in, in Skeletor's case, maybe, maybe if they're, you know, there's something in their soul that makes them human or whatever, that's what he taps into to freak them out. But in the case of Skeletor, it's like, I got nothing. It's like, you're looking into the, the abyss when you look at me, you know? And so, but you do have a good point with that, David. It's like, you know, it, it, they did really like within one panel, they're basically like, what do you want us to do? And it's like, it was interesting to read that, but I, I kind of went with it. But, yeah, that's a good point that they just kind of went with it with, with Skeletor pretty easily On that in Yeah, that, I uh, feel
3: like comic. they just kind of – it's like, well, we don't have a lot of pages, so we just have to move this along, you know? Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, it was interesting that Glow actually bowed to find Skeletor's spheres and make him suffer.
3: Well, the
2: one thing that comes up when I write my stories and uh, I think about the characters and all that, is Scareglow a regular minion, or do you think he's a one-shotter? Like, uh, in the vein of uh, Evil Seed or Count Barzo?
3: No, I see him as, like, one of Skeletor's main main crew, basically.
0: I see him as a one-shotter unless they do something with him like they did in 2000X with, like, Stinkor or Too Bad, where Skeletor double-crosses him somehow or finds a use and says, Now you're on my side. Because, um... He would prove useful. That's the thing. And if there was, if, if the idea of the injustice idea where there's a whole race of them, I can see Skeletor going, I need these guys. Because this could shut down everything for me to take over.
4: Yeah, with me, Uh, I'd say one shot. I'd say he's an underused character that has a lot of potential yet to be used, perhaps even in Revelations.
2: Yeah, I'm just saying, I wouldn't use him as like a minion. I wouldn't have Skeletor going, okay, Beastman, take Scareglow with you, and no. I kind of hold them a little higher.
3: Well, I remember in the classics bios, Jitsu became uh, master of Snake Mountain, at Lord of Snake Mountain, after uh, Skeletor was away. I forget exactly what happened, but. Um, During New
0: Adventures.
3: Um, yeah, new Adventures. Yeah. Yeah and so I feel like Ske- Scareglow is is kind of like that like yeah he'll you know he'll be called upon to help Skeletor kind of like the first episode in the first episode of uh, the Filmation cartoon where Skeletor sur- summons his minions they're all doing their own thing they're not just hanging around Snake Mountain waiting for a job uh, you know, so he'll be called from time to time for his help but yeah. you know he's powerful enough that you know he could go on his own and gather his own minions, uh, his own mercenaries to go after Castle Greyskull.
0: He would have been really cool in uh, 2000X uh, with the cartoon. They had the Council of Evil Part 1 and Part 2 episodes. And if they would have introduced him previously, it would have been cool to see him as one of those guys too since Web Store was there. And Evil Seed was there and stuff. And uh, introducing him through that way, but... Yeah, I, I, he would have been an interesting one because, like, Skeletor was always one of these characters that he always had, like, a competing person to go up against, either Hordak or, you know, the, King Hiss in the mini-comics. And it would have been interesting to have Scareglow being maybe another one of those characters that maybe they work together in an alliance for a little while, but then they both double-cross each other.
2: Oh, I just realized how awesome it would have been in the cartoon series to have Scareglow take on the Snake Man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
4: Actually, I kind of feel like uh, he should have taken over Snake Mountain instead of Jitsu.
0: Yes, I I sort of agree with that idea to be honest. But I mean, that's it's kind of cool to to see it move forward in that way, one way or the other, whether it's Jitsu or Scared Wolf, for my money.
2: Well, for me, I just think that you know he's dead, and so he has other objectives aside from having power and minions and all that, you know. He has his objective, like the classic, to go into Snake. I mean, to go into Castle Grayskull, like his ghost or something. Now, like that's the purpose of it. That's you know, he doesn't have anything living, any connections to the living anymore.
4: I kind of feel his purpose to get into Castle Grayskull is to restore himself to living, to restore his full power or whatever. There you go. That'd be, yeah.
3: that'd be right. there's a character in Marvel comics uh, who is part of the, I read about him in dark Avengers called ghost. And when I read about ghost in Marvel comics, I, I kind of borrow from him when I think about scarecrow and uh, how he would be betrayed in a story uh, portrait.
0: That, that was something I was going to say. Like uh, I watched uh, Spider-Man far from home in the last week. And one of the things that I think would have been amazing to see, with how Scareglow would have been portrayed in like a co- uh, in a uh, cartoon or whatever, is uh, that part where Mysterio is using all the illusions to mess Peter up to the point where he gets hit by a train. And imagine that being, you know, like somebody doing that to He Man or to Prince Adam while he's trying to do the transformation, but he can't.
3: Reminds me of the. Dar- uh, Daredevil comic where he's going up against uh, Blackheart, and Blackheart basically makes it so that Daredevil beats up some, I think, some old homeless guy, thinking that that he's Blackheart, but he just tricks Daredevil into thinking it's him, and so he kind of, well, he's blind, but he basically looks down and says, "Oh my," you know, he's like, "Oh my God, what did what did I do? Mm-hmm. I just beat up this guy."
0: Yeah. Or that would have been the other thing. They could have had it where he's manipulating He-Man to the point where He-Man's doing stuff against the good guys or against yeah. the Eternia. Exactly. And that, that'd be scary. You know, like, like old I, man yeah.
3: Logan. Yeah.
4: That makes me question how powerful Scarlet actually could be or is. How much his uh, power of fear could be spread over how many. I
0: mean, that's definitely something that I'd be curious about too, because I, the more I think about it, it's like, he it feels like he'd have to focus on one person, maybe. And that would be, like, the limit of his power, in my opinion, but that's just me. It's like, he'd be almost too powerful if he could do that over everybody all at once, you know? Oh. And maybe that's why there's the legions of them.
4: Well, that's what's interesting. In the search for Keldor, he paralyzed uh, three of the heroic warriors at one time, if I'm not mistaken. It was He-Man, Champ Clamp, and uh, King Randor. Yeah,
0: because Clamp Champ took on Ninjor in that one. I, I, if i remember right and i feel like he was he was the one that that ended up like taking out scareglow cuz scareglow was focused on adam if i remember it's been a, like i said it's been like a month since i read it
3: so what if scareglow uh, could like walk through walls and you know spy in in uh, the royal palace or something like that and maybe even find out you know He-Man's secret identity or something like that
0: yeah one, one quick thing I was going to say that I thought would have been epic, and this is because I'm a mini-comic, like the old school mini-comic fan, probably that's where my heart is the most. They don't go back to the spirit of Grayskull idea very often later on. It's mostly the sorceress and all that. And it would have been awesome if they would have had like a spirit of Grayskull versus Scareglow. I would have probably, like, my jaw would have hit the floor if they would have went there and brought that back in the mini-comics to have Scareglow if he got in, or he tried, and have the spirit going after him, or whatever. Uh-oh, that could have been a pretty be, interesting... That's a damn have, good story, yeah. It would have been pretty, because I always enjoyed, like, the idea the spirit was there, and they'd always have that, you know, well you know, next time that he Skeletor comes to my gates, you are the masters of the universe, you'll handle this, and I love the idea that Maybe he's taken out everybody to the point where he's like, okay, Castle's mine. And then the spirit manifests and it's like, okay, it's on and they throw down at each. It's like that would have been the one time where the spirit's just like, no one else can do this but me because everyone else is, you know, weakened or whatever. And it has to do it.
4: Yeah, that'd be awesome. I kind of like the idea of seeing him uh, go up against Castle Grayskull, man. Well, that could have been the, the embodiment of the spirit or whatever. That I would have been
0: completely cool with that, you know. Um, but I, I just like the idea of two supernatural entities going head to head, one good, one evil, basically. That would be epic. Yeah. Actually it'd be a reason to bring the figure. You know, yeah, I
2: could I could see the two pack already. Spirit of Grace Call versus Scare Yeah,
0: and then that thing would be gone in seconds. Every uh one quick thing I wanted to bring up is one of my especially with the classics figure of scareglow because i don't think the original coit has this in mind but uh especially for the halloween season since that's why we're talking about him right now is i love the the cape the way it is on him because i love number one that it's it's fading into translucency but number two i love the way that the curl is around around his uh, neck and everything because it has that like Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Headless Horseman vibe, and when I saw that getting the classics figure, that made it even more steeped into what the point of the character is—the creepiness and the spookiness aspect—and I thought the horseman did an amazing job with.
4: Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say as a kid that Scarecrow was one of those figures that I had to put away and hide when I went to bed because. <laughs> <laughs> He, he scared the crap out of me glowing in the dark. I mean, it was one of his main features as a toy, but I mean, I just could not have him sitting up with my other figures on my little shelf. I was just like, no, no. <laughs> I well, can see actually, that.
2: <laughs> well, I do have, I currently have my Scare Glow on my shelf, Glow in the Dark King Grayskull next to him. And oh, so at you got to check. Yeah, and so at <laughs> night, you know, there's times where uh, the lights are on and all that, I turn off the lights and I go to bed and I see them, you know, standing side by side. They do glow. They do hold bright for a couple of hours. All right. It, uh, must,
4: sorry? it might be interesting to see He-Man have a glow-in-the-dark battle armor that he has to use to fight Scare Glow.
2: And you're hawking the one that you got? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: yeah. something well, like that. <laughs>
0: I, I honestly the end of the line is sad to me because there's a lot of unexplored options that you could have had with some of these figures and some of these characters that they brought in that they kind of just you know they'd all dried up because the line ended and that could have been an interesting way of handling it like what would he man do to fight him you know and we had battle armor he man thunder punch he man flying It's like what would have been the variant to try to do something with that and like do like I've seen on the org they had, you know, Horde Armor He-Man and all these other variations. So it's like, you know, that's unexplored potential that it's it's out there. It's fun for the fans to come up with these ideas and answer these
1: questions. I'd like to give a big shout out to He-Man.org. You can catch all the up to the minute He-Man and the Masters of the Universe news. Over on the org also Super 7 does have right now the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles up for pre-order So you can still get those plus a few other older uh, Reaction figures of the Masters of the Universe Also starting to hit shelves is the wrestlers of of Eternia I believe that's what the WWE is calling it They have started to hit eBay they are supposed to be released uh, fourth quarter in time for the holidays from Mattel. So happy hunting, and until next time, I'm Kelly. Good journey.
2: And again, I'm Renee from Nerds on the Couch. Listen to Nerds on the Couch, and check us out on Facebook for the latest nerd news. Good journey.
3: And I'm David Clark, owner of adultcollector.org, the number one source for He-Man and Sheer content good journey
4: this is Rex good journey
0: this is Sean and uh, you can find me on Facebook at October Sun Art and uh, good journey everybody this has been a Nerds on the Couch production in association with adultcollector.org